What's up, soccer fans? Mike Guyomi in the house, sons of a pitch, Soccer Central. We are here for episode number 227, season five, episode three. We have a special guest on the episode tonight. We're also going to be talking about transfer rumors and some signings that were just completed as well. We're going to talk USMNT and a starting 11. Now it's time for the special guest, Mr. Nick Pateras. How the hell are you, sir? What's up, Mike? What is up, sons of a pitch? SOP Soccer Central. I'm feeling good, man. This was a long time coming. I am glad to be back. I have been uh, very busy with family, as you can appreciate. Um, holidays, as we all can appreciate. Got a new job, which has given me a little bit more free time to work on a little of my own side projects as well. But really, man, it's all good to be back talking soccer again that's what i am most excited about mike how how the hell have you been brother like you're doing I've great been, things over here i've been great man life life is good um everything is uh everything is beautiful man sons of a pitch soccer is rolling we're in a little bit of a of a, of a dead spot right now with the off season that's to be expected but uh you know what life is great man we got uh i, I don't even know what to say man it's it's a beautiful thing so uh well let me toast to that just Cheers, like man. we always did, brother. Here we go. Clean. Hell yeah. Cheers, man. And uh, you know what? T tell the people where they can find you, man. I've got the uh, I've got the link in the chat. It should be ready to go. I got to double check it because, of course. Yes, I see it. It looks great. Thank you, Mike, for, for helping me promote my new channel, Wife, Children, House, uh, taken from the great quote from Zorba the Greek because he's living a full catastrophe. Wife, kids, house. Yeah, that's how it goes uh, when you're, you're at this accurate. point in our lives. <laughs> but you definitely find me on YouTube at wife.children.house and on Twitter at wifekidshouse. Uh, I'm doing the same soccer stuff that, that I used to uh, when I was part of Sons of a Pitch. Um, we're doing some more kind of historical look back videos, a few MLS slideshow type stuff. So not just kind of the live conversations. And then, you know, a little something for the kids got to keep them interested as well teaching them all this cool media stuff that we're learning as, as we're doing these um so we got a little put some pokemon videos i'll be honest that's kind of like the other thing that i do my guilty pleasure right so uh we're we're talking soccer and uh also we're, we're throwing some pokemon videos in there and, and we'll see where it goes we'll see where it goes if uh we end up doing some lifestyle stuff comedy alcohol whatever whatever floats my boat it's all out there so, yeah, please definitely come over, like the videos, subscribe to Wife Children House, and uh, just hit 50 subscribers. So, nice. yes, the first small milestone on the way to the next small milestone, I'll say. So, that's it, brother. Hey, the, the first hundred are the hardest to get, man. You know that. We, we went through that a long time ago together, and we got there, and now we're sitting around, I don't know, 5,700, something like that now through the offseason. Uh it's just, it's just time, and that's all it is. You're going to get there. So, guys, check out that link that's in the chat right now. At the, It's pinned up there. If you have not subscribed to Nick's channel, get over there and subscribe to it right now. Got to help him out. Let's get this thing rolling. And uh, Wife, Children, House, I love the name, man. I got to say, because that is uh, absolutely the full catastrophe, man. Jesus. Oh, Lord. It is perfect. Absolutely perfect. So, all right, man, we've got a lot to talk about on this episode. We've got some transfer rumors. we got some USMNT talk as well. First thing I want to do, though, is, you know what? Today is a special day. It's Martin Luther King Jr. Day. 
Guys, this this is the quote right here. I'll put it up on the screen. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And damn it, if that is not more true today than it was just a few years after he said that, I don't know what is. So you know what? It's 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 a beautiful thing. Martin Luther King. What a guy! What a uh, you know what a day to celebrate today. I think a lot of uh, a lot of people just kind of see it as a day and they just kind of move past it. And uh, you know what? It, it's a very important thing. And uh, I, I absolutely love that quote. That is kind of my my absolute. I just I love it. I live by that code every single day. And uh, you know I think we we all need to celebrate this. And happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day, everybody. If you haven't already celebrated, then damn it, it's time to start drinking and celebrate that man's successes and successes for the world as it is. And you know what? Hit that like button while you're at it. Hit that subscribe button as well if you're new. And uh, let's get right into the soccer talk. First things up, Seattle Sounders. They land Albert Rusnak as a designated player via free agency. Nick, talk to me about Albert Rusnak as a DP. Well, we all saw what he could do for Salt Lake and over the last several years. And first of all, I'm thinking like, and I'm really glad that we already got the conversation going in here between Jay and Rocky, which love seeing you guys in the comments. Thanks for reaching out. Even when I haven't been on air, it's been great hearing from you. But that Northwest rivalry just got kicked up a notch with Portland losing their two big DPs in Valeri and probably Blanco. Uh, and now Seattle just reloads with Rusnak. So the immediate impact on that rivalry is is huge. And I can't wait to see the banter uh, between all of the sons of a pitch listeners and viewers. But, Mike, I'm thinking, like, why would they sign Rusnak to a DP deal? Isn't he, like, 87 years old and aren't his best days behind? No, the guy's 27. He's only 27 years old. He's been with RSL for the last four years, or, or at least starting in 2017. And what really allowed this to happen were the new CBA free agent rules. I didn't realize that um, the old rules were you were 20, you had to be 28 years old with eight years of MLS service before you could be a free agent. Now it's 24 years old and five years of MLS service. So he was like, I'm out. I'm going to make my money. I'm going to go get that big DP deal with Seattle. And he links up with his old coach, Freddie Juarez, who's now the assistant at Seattle. And I didn't know this either. Because uh, everyone was kind of thinking, how did this get done? He had such demand. Well, Craig Weibel is Seattle's senior vice president of like soccer and technical something or other, blah, 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 blah. He had that same role when he used to work for RSL and recruited Rusnak from the Netherlands. And so now he just did it again and brought him back to Seattle. So it's, it's a huge, huge get for the Sounders. Because now, from what I've been hearing, Jao Paulo is either going to be loaned out or, you know, not on the roster as a DP, at least next year. Um, and then with Ladero and uh, Rui Diaz, maybe not as consistent. We saw some injuries start to pile up this past season. Dude, Rusnak's just going to slot right in. He knows how to kill these Western Conference teams. This is huge. Seattle is just picking up right where they left off from another top three, four finish as well as a cup favorite finish last year, Mike. Like, how do you see this, especially as a TFC fan who really tends to loathe the Seattle Sounders, and they just come in and snatch the best, uh, I'll call them domestic, but like the best MLS DP in the offseason? Look, I'll uh, I'll throw a couple things out here, man. Tio Luis in the house. What's up, Tio? How are you, my man? Good to see you. Ramon 
says hi mike and sop family nick long time no see and rocky giving us a little bit of knowledge here valeri wasn't a dp as last year who was on tam right so he didn't lose they didn't lose the dp there but uh you know look i i Ruznak, uh, I'm a little bit concerned by this move. I, I like the signing. Don't get me wrong. I, lo- I love the signing. But the fact that he's a designated player is what makes me concerned. Seattle should be going for the level of a big-name, big-time player as designated player. And right, Joe Paolo, he came in, and he can be bought down with Tam. So that's probably what's going to happen. They're gonna buying him down with Tam. He's around like $1.5 million salary. Um, so they'll buy him down with Tam and then put Ruznak into that DP spot. But here's the problem. Now they don't have any open DP spots. Albert Ruznak's a great player. He is MLS proven. There's no doubt about that. But for me, I'm a little bit concerned. I, and I'm with Rocky. I don't think he's as good as Ladero or even better um, than Ladero. I think he's a little bit below Ladero. So it's a little bit interesting to me that uh, Seattle would would use that, that highly coveted spot where they're going to have to make roster moves either way um to be able to sign someone like albert ruznak i think he should have been able to get it done for tam money uh i know ruznak was a dp with with uh real salt lake but i think a guy like that once you've been in mls yeah he's 27 he's still in his prime still a very proven mls player the designated player spot has changed in mls even just recently so i'm a little bit concerned with that fact um but Regardless, it's going to be a hell of a, a hell of a team, man. You look at that midfield with Ruznak, Ladero, and uh, Angel Paolo in that midfield. You got Christian Roldan as well. Depending on where you slot the wingers in, I mean that's dangerous. That is dangerous as hell. But I'm a little bit concerned with that with that tag, let's say, of designated player. But overall, a great great signing. Um, yeah. You know, I think uh, I think Seattle they're going to be in it. They're going to be a playoff team. They're not going to miss. They haven't missed yet since they started out as a team, they're not going to miss out the playoffs. So it's a good move, but let, I'm a little bit concerned about that DP spot. Well, I, I, I totally get your concern, especially with Rusnak. Like he's never been that like great star in MLS, right? I don't know how many he's never, never, I maybe I shouldn't say that, especially as a lawyer, never say never, never act in absolutes. Right. But I don't think he's been in MVP conversations except for maybe once or twice once or twice, excuse me. I don't know if he's been in best 11 conversations except for a handful of times, right? Like he's not, like you said, one of those transcendent stars that you want to go out and spend most of your money on. So this is a, it's a holding move. I almost think like Seattle's like, let's get one more year out of our current roster and make a push for that trophy. I guess I could see it in that light. Um, Or, Hey man, maybe Seattle is just like roster building at the meta level where they're like, we're just making sure nobody else gets one of these top MLS players. We'd rather sign him so you don't. And we'll eat that extra roster spot because we know how good we are. And we also know LAFC is probably going to take a step back. The LA Galaxy, have they found their identity under Vanny? We don't know. Um, All the teams in Texas are really struggling to come up with anything. So Seattle... They could be next level roster building. Like we're fine. We're gonna make the playoffs. And Rusnak, you know he shows up in the playoffs. And Seattle needs offense come October. So that could be that level move. But I, I'm with you that it's it, it made me scratch my head at first. No, totally, 100. So cool. I like that. Let's move on to the next move. And uh, you know what? That next move, Jefferson Soteldo, Carlos Salcedo swap. 
with Toronto FC and Tigres, it's not official yet. It has not been marked down as official, but it's damn close. And uh, here's another one that kind of brings that player in that maybe shouldn't be a DP that's going to be labeled as a DP in Carlos Salcedo. Uh, Jefferson Soteldo came into Toronto FC in the beginning of the season last season towards the, you know, after the season had started, never really fit in with TFC. Uh, he's done more better. He's done better in South America. Didn't really fit in. And of course, how can you blame the guy? It was a complete mess coming into Chris Armis's TFC squad. And then, you know, you're firing the coach, bringing in a, uh, you know, an assistant that's a, that's a, that's an interim coach. And this team's already way out of the playoff run. Um, you know, it, it didn't really work out well. And it's not strictly on Jefferson Soteldo. I mean, I've seen a lot of uh, I've seen a lot of great plays and moves and and highlight reels and all that stuff. Jefferson Soteldo. I saw him in person in Cincinnati. He carried that entire team in Cincinnati. You could tell that was the difference. He's a great player. So everybody who's in TFC land who's talking all this smack, saying Jefferson Soteldo's garbage and he's not a good player, they're wrong. He's a very good player. Just didn't fit in um, to the setup. So. They're moving Soteldo for Carlos Salcedo, and there's Jay Jardim in the house. What's up, Jay? How you doing, my man? Says, might start off as a DP, but down to Tam in the summer. Exactly, Jay. So he's the rumored to be around the range of like $1.5 to $1.6 million salary. Now, the way that works is they'll be able to buy him down with that Tam money with some of the gam that they've picked up, like moving that three, uh, that number three pick to Dallas where they bought, got the buyout for Dom Dwyer. They still have some gam. They still have some, uh, some Tam to use. They're going to buy him down and have another DP spot open come the summer. And all of their targets right now outside of Salcedo, outside of Insigne, who's already done, would be coming in the summer. So still, uh, and this is, I think this is kind of, this could open up an entire conversation about, the BS rules in MLS and the, 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 you know, the tags and the gam and the TAM and the DPs and all this bullshit that MLS talks, right? Um, here it is. It is what it is. We got to deal with it. And right now, Carlos Salcedo will be a designated player for Toronto FC once that move is officially completed and announced. Um, and Jefferson Soteldo moves on. TFC is going to buy out Josie Altador. Uh, to me, I absolutely love this move. I think this is absolutely a, an unbelievable piece of work by Bob Bradley and Bill Manning. Nick, talk to me about Carlos Salcedo and Jefferson Soteldo. They need offense, Mike. They need offense while they're they're attempting to, to put everything else back the way it needs to get on a TFC team that we come to expect to compete for the top in the East. So, like you said, buying out Josie, long overdue. I know we've been on that train for a couple of seasons here. Uh, they're getting a proven offensive player. Salcedo is 28 years old, coming from a couple years at Tigres. The man knows how to find the back of the net. On top he's of it, defender, he's got Nick. Oh, I'm he's sorry. Back. I'm sorry. I was, I was <laughs> thinking, I'm talking there. one, I'm going the other, this and that, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but it does fit into, into my point that they do got to shore up shore up that uh, that defense, right? That they, they were leaking goals. You had Bradley playing center back. So I'm glad they're bringing him in, and then they're addressing the offense with Insigne coming in over the summer. So I, I think this is a great move. Uh, pardon my faux pas on that one. I was just thinking offense for offense because we're hearing switch for switch. Um, but you know what, man? I, I think it's a great move. 
And honestly, this is Bob Bradley starting to build out his roster as well. And I think that I don't know if his official title is manager and technical guy, sporting roster, guru, whatever. So he's got all of that. So he's already coming in. He's working. This shows me that he's been identifying these guys for the last year or two, especially being in the LAFC and playing against them in some of the CONCACAF Champions League or in some of the other inter-country continental type of uh, matches here. He knows these guys are good and he's going to get the best out of them at TFC. So even if people don't like the signing from a positional standpoint or talent standpoint, I got to imagine Bradley is going to get the most out of them and, and they should be excited about these signings. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely love the move, uh, and, and here's why. Carlos Salcedo, for one, he's he's not really a known quantity, but he is because we've played Tigres before. Tigres has faced off a couple against some MLS squads in League's Cup, CCL, that kind of stuff. He's familiar with the league. It's totally different league, League MX and MLS. Don't, don't think I'm confusing the two, but he has some experience with MLS and, uh, you know, to be able to bring a guy in that's going to be able to help the back line, just like, uh, you know, as Jay says, we, our biggest issue is, is the back line and the depth the depth of our back line. Uh, you know, we've got Insigne coming in. As far as a striker, a true number nine, Io Akinola, I know I've said some things about Io Akinola. I think he is I, – I, I think if he can stay healthy, he can be a top striker in MLS, period. Uh and they need help at the back. So now you address that by bringing in a center back who was rumored to be going to Wolves over in the Premier League. There was talk there. Uh, there was also talk to go to Palmeiras down in Brazil. Um, th- these aren't just your, you know, your run of the mill like, oh yeah, it was rumored to go to like, you know, Real Salt Lake or you know, a, a, a CPL club. No, this this guy is talking about the Premier League. There was talks about uh, you know going to some big time clubs, and. He's 28 years old. He's in his prime. He's a great player, uh, very good center back, and we needed we needed to address those that area of the pitch, and they did just that. So you can bring him in as a designated player, move him into TAM in the summertime. The center the, the center back position is now set as far as starters go with Mavinga and Salcedo. Now it's just the depth of the back line, which I know they were talking about McNaughton from uh, Pacific. In CPL, very good player, defender of the year there for in the CPL league. Is he going to come into MLS and, and, and be a standout center back? No. But can he come in and play some games when Salcedo's getting a rest or Mavinga is out or whatever? Yes, absolutely. He can make do. So I love this move. Um, Soteldo never really fit in with Toronto FC. And then they went and replaced the left wing spot with Insigne. All right. Soteldo, as good of a player he is, he's not touching Lorenzo Insigne. So now, now the focus is on that number nine spot. We've got the back line where it needs to be. Uh, we've got the wing positions pretty much covered, even though we did lose Richie Larea. So there is some, some, you know, there is a little bit of, uh, of of improvement to be done at the back. But still, you look at that number nine spot. The talks of Bellotti, it might happen. It's probably not going to, but uh, you know, they're going to be able to find a number nine to come in the summertime. Uh, that's just going to fit in beautifully with Insigne Pozuelo. Uh, and then you've got, you know, Schaffelberg on the other side and whatnot. It's, it's going to be a great thing for TFC. So I love this move. Carlos Salcedo, much needed. Absolutely. We've got a new Wiseman in the house. What's up, my man? How you doing, brother? And uh, you know what? It's a great time for uh, for, for this because a new Wiseman's in the house. Oh, God, it refreshed on me. Damn it. Uh, 
So we uh, a new Wiseman sent us over some uh, some content here and said, hey, guys, Monday, here's some content. The MLS Cup trophy in the house at the Etihad against Chelsea with Christian Pulisic in the house. Um, what are your thoughts, Nick? Do you like the fact that uh, – do you like the fact that uh, MLS Cup's being toted around the Etihad, an EPL game? Like, hey, this – our ownerships groups, that's great. We we got a trophy here. We got a trophy somewhere else. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, – well, first of all, any news is good news, right? Any press is good press, as they say. Uh, but th- that's incredible, man. The MLS Cup made it to England, to the top team in the Premier League. Like, that, that's huge, right? Like, to me, this harkens back when uh, – gosh, when was it? When the White Sox finally won the World Series and they put – uh, the, the White Sox trophy, and then the Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup, and they put the two of them next together next to the Lombardi trophy, and I had all the major sports trophies in one place in Chicago. Like, that was one of the coolest things to see, especially as a Chicago sports fan. So now to see the MLS Cup being brought out to the pinnacle of European soccer, arguably, arguably, I'm not going to debate Man City versus Bayern versus Barcelona right now, but... To have that brought out there and to show the fans, like, hey, this is what we're doing on a global stage. Man City Football Group, we're winning trophies in the Premier League. We're winning trophies in the United States and MLS. We have some of the best talent network out there. Remember Albert Rusnak? He came up in the Man City scouting uh, youth leagues, too. Like, before he went, he got loaned out a bunch, but he came up in Man City. So it's all full circle here. And I know Man City has clubs all around the world. So I think it's the coolest thing. And definitely it's a business move. We all know we need more money in in the MLS in order to raise the salary cap, let go of the salary cap, and sign these players. So make the money, man. Get them out there. Like, I'm I'm all for this. And this is just a cool thing for the fans on top of it. I don't know if anyone from New York got to go to – any fans got to go to England for this or if it was just more of an organizational thing. But – Man, I'm all for it, Mike. I think it's great. I think it's great PR. It's a great look. Like, look what they're doing. This is awesome. <laughs> no, I, I I think it's cool. You know, uh, it's it might as well, right? Uh, you got it, flaunt it. And uh, they did bring some NYCFC fans. I believe it was some supporters that uh, that took the cup out onto the field to put it on the podium. So, uh, you know, hey, it, it's 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 a good little touch. And and hey, uh, it's like. Uh, these guys have been saying that Jay says here, Man City just owning the EPL right now. I know it got to do with some twit, some Twitter stuff where they're like, "Oh, the EPL's done by by January. All the other leagues are pretty much over as well." Uh, are there any leagues out there that that you know are, are exciting? And uh, I'm like MLS and did pretty well. Got like 35, 40 likes, something like that. A couple of retweets, whatever. But uh, <laughs> you know, MLS. As much as I hate the salary cap rules. Uh, and whatnot, and, and that's a, a long conversation that I'm sure we'll have many, many times before it actually gets fixed. Uh, you know, th- there's a lot to talk about there, but it, it, there's still there is great parity. Anybody can win at any given time. Every team, even even I mean, well, maybe not Cincinnati, maybe not. Uh, all right, I take thank that back. You. So maybe, maybe like <laughs> half the teams have a chance of winning the title, but still. Uh, you know, cool to see Orlando or not Orlando, New York City with the trophy there at the Emirates. So uh, appreciate that. A new Wiseman, much appreciated, brother, for sending that over for some extra content. Let's move along to Orlando City. Resigned Alexander Pato 
for the 2022 MLS season. The fuck are you doing, Orlando City? Nick, is it? Tell me something of why you think this is a good move. I, I, oh, you didn't give me enough time to prepare for why re-signing Pato is a good move. And if you said we talk about it next week, I don't think I'd have enough time to prepare to explain to you why signing Pato is a good move. Um, like, I don't know much about him other than he's a Brazilian in Orlando and they kind of like that stuff. I think that might be it. But, like, I, I don't know if I, I would expect him to be some sort of great, like, piece on this team going forward or if he's more of a depth piece or, you know, just kind of let's let's eat some minutes up and fill in a position. He's a competent type of player. He's 32 years old. You know, so I, I, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but Orlando City needs people. They lost – they lost a lot of guys. So I think this is really just kind of a roster build move. I don't think they're really investing in Pato's future and building around him or or anything like that. They lost DK. They lost Mueller. They lost Nani. I think there's one other bigger name, too, that they lost that's not coming back for whatever reason. Um, but but they did sign, re-sign Perea, and who knows who else they're going to bring in. But I, I think they just need guys on the roster. That, that's my explanation for Pato, Mike. Yeah, I, I, it's got to be something. I, I can't wait to see what the roster numbers come out with uh, with the MLSPA re- releases the salaries because, man, uh, they better not have spent too much money on this guy because he's 32 years old. He's on the downside. He signed last season, did nothing, played 30 minutes, something like that, before he was out injured, came back, played a few more minutes, didn't score, absolutely nothing. Why they're investing any money in this guy is ridiculous. I, I understand the whole Orlando City Brazilian ties. I get that. But this is a waste of time. Horrible signing unless it's for, like, league minimum. You know, you're talking, like, 130000 Okay. Um, put him on the roster and hope for the best. But other than that, I mean, come on. Now, speaking of another Orlando City player, Nani makes a big debut for Venezia in Serie A in Italy. How about that? So uh, Nani goes over to hang out with uh, with Tanner Tessman and uh, John Luca Busio too. Luca Busio comes into the game, subs in in the seventy second minute, assists on the goal in the seventy third. I mean, I don't want to take too much time on this, but a lot of talk has been going on, especially with Insigne coming over from Napoli to Toronto FC, and now something like this is is Syria kind of turning into a feeder league for MLS. You know, I think it's great that there's a lot of back and forth between these two leagues, especially not too long ago, you heard, who was it, the president of the Italian Football Federation or whatever they're called, saying, like, we need all the best Italians to be playing in Italy, and we want Italy to be an Italian league, and we want, maybe he was just talking more about, like, Juventus, Inter Milan, Napoli, like, the big teams, but I I love seeing the interplay because I think there are so many different styles of players that come out of the United States. We're a huge country, right? You can't possibly scout everyone, which is why I think they still need the super draft for a little while longer, Mike. I just had to get that in for you because I know how much you hate it. But we have all these different styles and all these different methods of scouting. Like the fact that there's this interplay between the United States and Italy, between the MLS and Syria, ah, that we can have some of our up-and-coming players and even some of our players who were, were great players, like Nani, for two years was was excellent, um, as long as he didn't you know run out of gas at the end of the season. So it'll be interesting to see how his end of the season is at Venezia. Um, but 
there's great interplay. They can fit over there in Italy. Uh, I mean, you you know about it from Michael Bradley. Like we we've had a history with Italy since you know the early '90s and Alexi Lalas getting over there for for a season or two. So th- there's definitely room for Americans to ply their trade in Italy. But with the MLS, I think the whole world, except for maybe England, because they're they're probably the most picky about their their football. Um, I, I think the rest of the world is finally saying like we can we can make some money working with the MLS, and we can do it either in a business deal, a sale, a transaction, or we can do it with player development and have find young players, bring them over, send some of our young guys over there. I don't know too many young Italians that are are gaining interest in the MLS, Mike, un- unless you've seen anything. But but I really think Syria A is picking up on what the Bundesliga has been doing. There's some good business to be done with American soccer. No, 100%. 100%. Hopefully they do. Um, I know with Weston McKinney there at Juve, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's probably one of the best players for Juventus right now. Uh, and one of the top players in the entire league. So... Makes sense, right? I remember when everybody was like, when he first signed for Juve, they're like, oh, yeah, they're signing him just to get kind of an American, you know, to be able to market to the USA. I'm like, well, slow down, slow down. And look at him now, right? He's probably, you got to say, he's probably one of the top 10 or 20 players in that entire league. So the yeah. the, the style, I mean, the style of play and and honestly, the, the financial situation there in Italy has gone down far enough where, uh, you know, the, the United States is kind of coming into play here. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Keep an eye on Syria. It's, it's a changing time for that league and uh, with the USA Stars. So, for all sure. right, Inter-Miami sign Jamaican international defender Damian Lowe. Talk to me about Damian Lowe, Nick. Uh, what, what do you know about him? And, uh, you know, what, is this yeah. a good move for Inter-Miami? What the hell are they doing out there? I, well, right now, Miami, I don't think they can make anything but good. Well, let, let me let me set that. Let me step back here. What? Right. Like they, they can't get worse. All right. We'll put it that way. This can't get be worse than anything else they've been doing lately. But I the name kind of sounded a little familiar to me. So I went and I looked him up. So Damien Lowe is a 28 year old Jamaican defender. He spent the last two years in Egypt. But before that, he's bounced around the MLS and the USL. Like he spent some time in Seattle and Seattle too. Um, I think he was playing with the Tampa Bay Rowdies, maybe even in Tulsa. Like the guy's been around the United States. And I think we talked about it in the past. Like the USL has become just fertile with kind of middle tier CONCACAF teams like Jamaica starting to develop some of their players and getting into year round professional settings and trainings. So Looking at that, I think it's a decent move from Inter-Miami to get a, def- a solid defender in his prime who knows what he's doing, who's been around the continent a little bit, who's been around the United States and the MLS and the USL. No adjustment needed. The one other thing, too, to remember is Damian Lowe has 46 caps for the Jamaican national team. So this guy has the confidence. He's playing great soccer right now. He's a part of the World Cup qualifying. So you know Inter-Miami is getting a proven defender. But the more I read into it, it's not – they're getting away from their big splash signings like Iguain, like Pizarro. So to me, this is a save-my-job type of signing. Like we need to just find the safe guy. It's like the old HR adage, right? You don't hire the best candidate. You hire the safest candidate. And that way HR keeps their job to hire the next guy. That's what Inter-Miami is doing right here. 
like they're they're just hiring a safe guy. He's going to be solid. He's going to play, you know, 30 games for him. He's probably going to score a couple of goals just off some set pieces or, or crazy bangers as Jamaican defenders have been known to do. But other than that, it's a safe, safe signing and a position they can lock down for this season, Mike. What do you think about uh, the Jamaican here? What do you think about the reggae boy just coming up to Florida here? Hey, I like it. I, I think it's a good signing for an MLS squad. Uh, Damian Lowe, he's, he's been around. He's comfortable here. I know that uh, our, our friend of the show, Ryan LFC, uh, big Jamaican supporter and uh, YouTuber, he understands uh, Damian Lowe, and he loves the guy. So uh, I think it's a good move for Inter Miami. They've got a ton of work to do. They've kind of completely rebuilding that roster. Uh, Phil Neville's not going to last. It's he, he's going to go, um, but it's a, it's a decent signing. Now w- w- tell me more. What 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 are what else are you going to do for Miami? That's that's kind of where the rest of it goes. But uh, you know, New Wiseman says it also opens the market for the Jamaican market in Fort Lauderdale and Miami for sure. A new Wiseman. There definitely is a uh, a lot of uh, Jamaicans there in Miami and Fort Lauderdale. Unfortunately, we have to still say that. But um, you know, yeah, there, there's a lot of them down there, and that, that that'll definitely they want to go see one of the players that they're familiar with from the national team, and and that's a good move uh, for Miami for sure. So another comment here in uh, in the chat. Tio Luis says, Nick, do you like the new fire? Well, I, ju- I just typed a quick response there, so thanks for giving me a moment to elaborate on that. Uh, first of all, nothing will ever be the original Fire logo, the original Florian Cross. Like that thing is is iconic of an MLS sports logo as you're ever going to get. Right? Uh, the the crown logo that they had was so bad that anything is going to be better. Um, so by default, I like it, or I should say, in comparison, I like it. Um, again, it's a, it's a solid logo. It's a good design. I, you know, like I was even sending in drawings and, and names and things for the rebrand. And of course, they ended up with Chicago Fire FC and a C as the logo, right? So all this input and they just did the same thing that every MLS club has done over the last five years. So um, that kind of turned me off a little bit. The colors are very much like the Red Stars, the NWSL, the Chicago uh, professional women's team. So I, I didn't like that as much because it, I like the, the navy and the red and the gray, and I like that image for the Chicago Fire. Um, call me an old homer, right? But it, it seems like they this is like an alternate logo for the Red Stars, and it's, it's a decent logo, but when you put it in the context of everything else, I think it falls short for me. All right, there you have it. There's Nick's take on the Chicago Fire. Now let's take this opportunity. My old, old man yells at artwork. Take there you go. <laughs> let's take this opportunity to uh, take the podcast sponsorship break and uh, have the on the podcast side at least have John Donovan's Chicago Fire updates. We'll throw out the BetUS logo and we'll be right back, everybody. This episode of Sons of a Pitch, an American Soccer Podcast, brought to you by Nice Premium Iceland Pure Spring Water. Also by Donovan Food Brokerage, a sales and marketing firm focused on food service sales in the Midwest. And lastly, by Skira, Icelandic spring water available at your local 7-Eleven. And now it's time for our weekly Chicago Fire Update brought to you by John Donovan. Take it away, John. Mike, John Donovan here. I I almost feel like it's the start of the season, but basically it's the start of the practice season. So the old Chicago Fire are down at the Omni Resort, or they're on their way tomorrow, I'm not sure. 
um, they'll be practicing down there for a couple of days, and they first game of the preseason will be January the 29th against Minnesota. Then the, the team will travel over to Austin, Texas. They will play Toronto FC the 6th of February. Then they'll play Dallas the 12th of February and Austin the 16th of February. All these games and practices are private. I'm sure that's because, because of COVID. Um, I, I would love to be able to visit some of these practices, but I can understand that they're trying to control the players. Last year, they had them in that bubble, and they did a pretty good job. But this year, it's um, back to normal, And but they'll try to control what they control. Now, it's pretty obvious the Chicago Fire have not done much this summer. They named a coach, Ezra Hendrickson, and I hope he does well, but old Ezra is not going to put many fans in the stadium because of his fame. Um you know, they brought in C.J. Brown, which is very nice to see. They kept our buddy Clopas in there, which is not very nice to see. Um, and they brought in a, a gentleman from, uh, I think it was Seattle also, that had coached with Ezra. So we got a new coaching staff other than Klopas. Um, But the, the squad itself, they brought in uh, a TAM player, Raphael Sijos, who um, German played for um, a, a team over in the Bundesliga uh, two, and then moved up to the the top Bundesliga. Had a good career, thirty one years old. Had a little injury um, his last season. He's a left footed fullback, so obviously the the team is in great need on that side. Um, but other than that, for the season, uh, guys coming in are mostly draftees and homegrown, which is an absolute opposite of what George Heinz did early on in his career, in the fire career. He, you know, you couldn't get that word out of his um, mouth, the European and South American. Um, I guess he could not get himself to name a pure American coach. Um, Ezra is from the islands, but it's close. And he's got a lot of uh, MLS uh, tradition behind him, but so the um, the the draft choices um, most are all defenders, and their number one draft choice, who I guess they knew was not going to be coming their way right away, they moved down and got a hundred thousand dollars of play money, um, gam or tam or whatever money, to move down. But they drafted a guy by the name of Kendall Burks from the University of Washington in. Old Kendall's mother has some English origins, so she has a work visa for her son to try out for Nottingham Forest. I believe that's a championship league squad. So he's over trying out with them. The fire own his rights. I mean, there's a good chance he might come over here. Who knows? But at this point, I don't see much room for him in that defensive squad. Um, interestingly enough, um, so they, they drafted the, a guy from Washington, and they didn't get him right away, but they must have allocated some money for that trip because they have drafted the other guy from Washington, the other defender. So um, we potentially have a team that has played together for quite a while, the two defenders from Washington. We have a guy from Akron, uh, Carlo Rizzio, and we have a guy named Yanis Learman from... Uh, University of California, and 
he would take an international slot. So who knows what uh, George Heinz is thinking. Um, you know, again, uh, it's kind of hard to figure out what the fire are, do, what's in their, their uh, minds because they have two open DP slots. My feeling is they'll probably trade um, Jimenez during the summer, the open area. He's been talked about down in River Plate. Um, personally, I would like to see him gone. I think he he did the team bad last year with Alceda. Um, was not a good role model. Um, I, if you ask me who was going to be their starting side, I I really don't know. They've got Duran coming in from Colombia. Um, I listened to a podcast that the Fire have, and they raved and rolled about him. But the reality is he played 12 games last year. Um, he got a couple of goals. He got six goals and 12 yellow cards. So I don't know how you get... Wait a minute. I think it's seven yellow cards. Seven yellow cards out of 12 games. I don't know how you you think that is superstar quality, but that's what's coming in. We got another trialist coming in also by the name of Josh Penn, um, who was originally another University of Indiana player was drafted by Miami and did play, but Miami has been like a um, a sale going on last after they were fined this year. Um, he is with the team as a trialist. He played for the Indy 11 for a year, then went down to Miami. He's a left-footed uh, forward. We could always use that. We have literally nobody for that position this coming year. So come on, Josh. Um, don't you know that we have two open DP slots um, what the team will look like by the time that mid-season um, uh, trading season comes open in Europe and around the world. Who knows? Um, but the, the Miami game, I think the team has a good chance, no matter who they put out on that field. Miami's had to unload an awful lot of good players. So thank you very much, Mike. I went a little bit farther than I thought I would. Um, glad to be back. All right, guys, back at it here. Thank you for uh, John Donovan, Donovan Food Brokerage. Much appreciated for your continued support here to Sons of a Pitch Soccer Central. That's and, awesome. Uh, let's get into the last few news and notes before we get into the USMNT talk. I want to kind of run through these fairly quickly. Hey, hey Mike, Mike, let me just let me. Yeah. I want to say let me say hey to John Donovan. Like, so <laughs> awesome that you're still supporting the show, man. I'm. I, I love to hear that. I love your bumps every week. Like that. That's great to hear, John. Awesome. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. So the uh, FC Dallas loaning Justin Shea to Bundesliga's Hoffenheim. I like it a lot. It's going to be going there with Chris Richards. Uh, what are your thoughts, Nick? Young Americans getting playing time in a top five league. Nothing wrong with that, Mike. Nothing wrong with that. I love it. <laughs> there you go. Good stuff. Now, FC Dallas on the other side, they're looking to bring in Independiente winger Alan Velasco. Made a $7 million bid. For Alan Velasco, I you know, I'm 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 just I'm confused with with FC Dallas. And and before we before I elaborate on that, Bernardo, how you doing, my man? Good to see you, Bernardo. Thanks for jumping on, my man. I'm I'm doing fantastic. How you doing? Hopefully better. The LA Galaxy they're gonna sign somebody. Come on, Bernardo, get down there and sign somebody. Help Greg Vanny out and let let's get it. Um, FC Dallas, Alan Velasco. $7 million, 19-year-old rising talent there playing for Independiente. Here's the, the young South American vibe in MLS. 
I'm FC Dallas. I just made a ton of money off Ricardo Pepe. I made a ton of money off of all of the other youth signings that have gone out. Justin Che moving on on loan. Uh, you know, you, you've got all these guys, Chris Richards coming up, you know, T- Tanner Tessman. You got all these Paxton Pomicles probably going to move, like all of these different moves. And you're looking at a 19-year-old Independiente winger. Spend the money, which we've, we've been saying, FC Dallas, spend the money. And, and, and it looks like they're going to try to spend some money. But don't you think it would probably be more productive to give the fans something they want rather than some taking a swing on some kid from Independiente, 19 years old, that you don't know what's going to happen? Well, you know, I don't know how many other DP spots they have. I haven't looked at their roster in depth. But on the one hand, this is probably the biggest signing Dallas has had in a while. A $7 million winger who, according to Transfer Market's website, is valued at just over $13 million. So Dallas is getting a deal if uh, they can hang on to this guy for $7 million for a couple of seasons and then either sell him on or sign him to a bigger deal if he helps them move up the table and establish themselves as a competitor in the MLS. But you know what, Mike? They got a new coach. Um, they're, they're transitioning the roster. And you know what? This is, again, one of those safe kind of signings. And, hey, with those young DP roster rules, right, the under-22 initiative, sign a few young guys and maybe build a little bit and see what your coaching staff can do. Because the last thing you need is to become an Inter-Miami where you bring in your new coach and your giant, huge Gonzalo Higuain signing, and it all falls apart. Or a TFC with a Chris Armis and a Soteldo, right? Like, you don't need to be doing that. So I think Dallas is being a little more cautious, but they are spending more money than than they have in the past. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt on this one, Mike. Yeah, um, you know, look, I I, uh, I have a hard time with it. They have one DP spot used. That's Frank O'Hara. The 29-year-old forward there came from League MX. Uh, maybe, maybe they take that money and buy him down. I, I don't know. Man. Uh, yeah, I just I don't know, man. I, it's to me, it's 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 it doesn't scream, it doesn't scream like, hey, we're we're, we're trying to win a trophy, and that's I mean I understand there's a lot to it, a lot more than just signing a couple guys. You've got to build an entire roster. You have the different positions you got to fill out. You got to make sure these guys are going to work well together, all that kind of stuff. But um, you know. I, I, I'm not a fan of it. I, I, I like the fact that if this this was their, you know, they already had a couple big-time players. You add this to it, but Frank O'Hara isn't a big-time player. Uh, so I'm not I'm not sold on this move. He was a but, DP bust. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's, it's got that writing all over it. So uh, real quick here, I wanted to jump on. Uh, Connor McCabe says, how are you good, sirs, doing tonight? Connor, uh, we're, I'm doing fantastic, man. How are you Connor? doing? And uh, – here we got uh, Bernardo says, you know, you guys think the uh, LA Galaxy need a new logo for the team? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I, I like the Galaxy logo. Uh, let's, let's, yeah, focus on getting a contender first, like E Super One says. Let's just get competitive first, then maybe worry <laughs> about the marketing side of it there. But uh, Jay says, Armas High Press working wonders at United. I'm not, I don't really follow much of it. I just know that that Manchester United hasn't been doing well and it makes me laugh because Chris Armas <laughs> is in charge. So uh well he's not in charge, but he's on the he's on the bench with Ralph Ragnick. But I, I just I I I can't believe that guy is still there. American coaches no don't get no respect overseas, Mike. No respect, None. I tell you. None. And he doesn't deserve any respect. 
Uh, now, a couple things, uh, lastly, that I want to touch on here. First off, uh, you know, Alfonso Davies. Fonzie, what's he doing now? What's he doing? Well, he's he's out. He's out for a significant period of time due to developing a mild myocarditis, myocarditis uh, case, which is has kind of caused this huge uproar between vaxxers and anti-vaxxers. Uh, you know, everybody who's anti-vax is like, oh my God, it was the vaccine. Everybody who is all on board with the vaccines is like, oh my God, it was the COVID, not the vaccines. You anti-vaxxers are crazy. So here, I'm going to give you my opinion on this because we also had another player, um, Mayang from Arsenal, Pierre-Emerick Mayang who had the same exact thing happen. Same thing with a couple other players from Gabon. There have been a lot of players, a lot of soccer players, that have developed heart issues most recently since the COVID times have come. Whether it be COVID or whether it be the vaccine, there's an 800% increase on players collapsing on the pitch during a game over the past few years. Now, Here's what I want to say about this. And I know a lot of you understand my standpoint on all of it. And I'm very, I've been pretty clear on it, even though I don't go full like Mike politician here on the show, because that's not a good idea. But, uh, you know, look, none of us are fucking doctors. Okay. Nobody knows. Everybody on Twitter, shut the hell up. All right. The, the most important thing here is that these players health is taken care of. And somebody like Alfonso Davies, which it hurts because he's not going to be available for these three qualifiers for Canada coming up at the end of January. And that's a big deal because these are huge games. I think Canada qualifies for 2022 in these next three games. Not having your best player hurts, but that's not what matters here. What matters here is the health of the individual that's here. And all I can say is thank God that the doctors found this when they did um, to make sure that he doesn't end up as another one of those 800% that drop down with an issue on the pitch, right? So, you know, people will say, okay, here's, it's, it's because of COVID. Some people will say it's because of the vaccine. We don't know, all right? The doctors, are you a doctor? If you're not, shut the hell up. I don't want to hear it. But regardless, uh, you know, there's been a ton of banter on Twitter and it's just, it's been pretty ugly. And I just wanted to put this out here, Look, these guys, I hope that all works out to the best. And, uh, you know, we get to see Fonzie back on the pitch very, very soon, uh, as well as some of those other players that have been affected by this, whether it's from COVID, whether it's from the vaccine, we don't know. Hopefully you get better soon. Nick, do you have anything to add to that? or You know, Mike, I, I think you spelled it out pretty well there. The one thing I will say, and I'm, I'm trying to go find this article, um, there was a lot of anecdotal evidence about this um, early on when the when COVID hit and the vaccine was readily available, um, seeing a lot of youth athletes, you know, who are vaccinated, kids who are vaccinated, having um, cardiac type of issues. Uh, but I, I, I tweeted it out on the Wife Kids House uh, Twitter account, but there is some research that has been going on that is saying that there is a potential link to uh, myocarditis and uh, the widespread use of the vaccine. Obviously, I didn't read the full medical thing because I would have probably no idea what it means. But that was basically the abstract that said, yes, this there, there, there could be a link here. There's enough evidence that there might be a link. In legal terms, 
we have enough evidence to overcome summary judgment and we'll hear it on the merits. So uh, look for that article that's out there over on my Twitter page, Wife Kids House. Um, so I, I, I'm with you on what you're saying, Mike. There, there seems to be just a little bit of science starting to back up these anecdotes. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, for me, the, the main thing, like like Jay says, Camden will be okay with Alfonsi. He needs to take care of himself 100%. And, and that's my biggest my biggest concern is I, I just I just pray to God that a player like that does not have his career upended by something like this, whether regardless if it's COVID, if it's the vaccine, a combination of both, whatever. The fact is you hate to see a young man like that who's one of the best players in the world uh, yeah. have his career affected by something like this that, that you know, shouldn't shouldn't have happened overall, regardless. So, um God bless Fonzie. Hope you're doing well, my man. Canada's got this. I agree. I think Canada will be fine without him. Atakube, he's no Fonzie, but he's filled in well at the left back or uh, you know left back position. I think Canada will be fine in these qualifiers. They built up a decent lead. Now it's time to talk about those qualifiers, Nick. Let's talk about the United States men's national team first and foremost. Um, let Let's build a squad here. Uh, let Let's take a look at. The roster, who and and I don't know all the details of who's got COVID, who doesn't have COVID, all that kind of stuff. But let's put together our best eleven for the United States men's national team here in the in in this January window. So we did. I know I talked to you earlier today. We were talking about the uh, you know who's uh, what formation do we want to go with? So looking here on this FMBD data, whatever the hell it is, used this before with uh, with Ryan LFC. They don't have the 4-3-3 readily available. So we're going to go with the 4-2-3-1. All right. So let's let's start back at the goalkeeper position. Who do you see in goal here? Is it Matt Turner, who just went to Camp Cupcake? Or is it Zach Steffen, who is playing in the cup matches for Man City? Well, I, I, I love that you called it Camp Cupcake, especially because I did a, a video on my channel that said, it's not your typical Camp Cupcake this year. Burhalter needs to whip these guys into shape for World Cup qualifiers. Uh, so I, I think it's Turner. I think Turner starts. I mean, he he's had the best calendar year for any U.S. goalkeeper in USMNT history. Uh, and his season with the Revs and his international performances and all that good stuff. Plus, he's in form. I don't know how much time Stefan's been playing. Even though Sean Johnson won the Cup, I still think Turner's your favorite. Yeah, I'm with you there with, with with Turner. I know Sean Johnson, he's been in the conversation, but uh, to me it's Turner and Zach Steffen. And and Steffen, he, even though he's getting the odd chance here, he's not uh, he, he's not staying clean like Matt Turner is. At least if, if Turner didn't have Camp Cupcake, I think I would go – I would lean towards it being more open towards Zach Steffen, but I got to yeah. go with Matt Turner as well. No, hey, right, I got to talk I gotta, about the defense. I got to say I'm okay with going the 4-2-3-1 because I know Berhalter's been playing the 4-3-3 and kind of yeah. running a, a little bit of a higher press. Maybe he pulls that out against Canada, but I really think he does go with the 4-2-3-1 against El Salvador and Honduras, these kind of lesser opponents where they will have more of the possession, I think, especially being at home. So I'm, I'm totally cool with the 4-2-3-1 on that. The defense, I think your center backs are pretty well set in Miles Robinson in and Walker Zimmerman. Uh, they're, they're coming off good MLS seasons. Not Atlanta United, Miles Robinson. They're coming off good international play. And as far as your other center backs, you know, I think you you got to have John Brooks in the mix. 
always. Uh, and you have to have Chris Richards in the mix, considering he's he's doing his thing over in Germany right now. Um, but Mike, how do you feel about Zimmerman and Miles Robinson and MLS center back pairing? Yeah, I've got I've got Miles Robinson in there for sure. Um, that, that's why I put him in there. But uh, as far as that second spot, I think John Brooks and 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 Chris Richards have to get a shout over Zimmerman. Um, just, I think, talent level overall. I think Chris Richards is close to Zimmerman, if not on top of him already. Um, and, and then you've got John Brooks, who's much more fresh in uh, in playing over in the Bundesliga. So I, I'm kind of torn here on, on whether to go with either A, Zimmerman, B, uh, Brooks, or C, Richards here as far as a best 11. So I guess it kind of ra- rank the three not necessarily based off of fitness, but off of overall overall number, right? Like, wh- where's this? Who's the best overall center back yeah. right now for the USMNT? I, for me, I, I give it to Zimmerman. That, that's me personally. Um, I, I feel like Brooks has fallen out of favor a little bit with with Burhalter, and and maybe I'm just basing that on on the fact that he's been left off of a couple rosters and. He, uh, th- there's a video that's starting to float around out there from another soccer analyst on YouTube that shows like John Brooks yelling at Sebastian legit for not playing the ball forward and for killing any momentum. And uh, you're going to go after Sebastian legit like that. Maybe Burhalder doesn't want you around as much. So that's kind of funny. So, um, but all that aside, man, all the tinfoil hat theories aside, um, I, I think I think Zimmerman is it. I think he's the guy. I think he's ready for it. And him and Robinson, I, I know, play together. They've been in camp together. Uh, so I I think it's him. And then and then Chris Richards. You know, I mean one one A and one B kind of thing. But I, I'm interested to hear what you say about these outside backs because, gosh, man, looking at a World Cup window, like if if you want to put your best eleven out there, that's one thing. But looking at a World Cup window where you got to play three games in the course of a week, week and a half, man. Like you need to have a, a deep outside back group. So I figure you'll have Cannon, Dest, uh, Anthony Robinson, maybe Yedlin. Like who who are those guys that you're going to pick two to start against, you know, uh, who's their first game? El Salvador. Mm-hmm. And I imagine those same guys might be the, to two against Canada? Do you roll your scrubs out against El Salvador? Save your best lineup for Canada? Do you risk only coming away with one point? Like, I think part of it's the expectations talk, Mike. We got to beat El Salvador and Honduras. So you can't look right. ahead to Canada and, and say, let's rest who you think your best outside backs are for Canada. Like, no, you play them versus El Salvador, beat El Salvador. They can play another game against Canada and then rest them for game three against Honduras. I think that's how you kind of have to look at the construction of this roster. Um, but if you just want to throw best 11, sure. Destin Cannon. I don't know. <laughs> just, yeah, just no, I, All right. No, I threw Chris Richards in there, man. I love Walker Zimmerman. I, I love his play. If this was, if this was July, I say Walker Zimmerman, no doubt, but Chris Richards and Walker Zimmerman are very close. I think Zimmerman still got him by a bit, still got him by just a bit. Richards, I think, though, because he's in form, because he's playing at Hoffenheim week in and week out, I think he is there on top. Now, the wingbacks, to me, there's no conversation. I think Reggie Cannon, he's done. He's all right. He's not that good, though. 
Yedlin, he's on the way out. He's on the way down. It's no longer DeAndre Yedlin. To me, the wingbacks are simple. For me, it's Anthony Robinson and Serginio Dest. No doubt about it. And to, to your point where you talk about, okay, well, do you play these guys here and then rest them for this game, or do you play that guy there? No, no, none of that crap, all right? What's important right now is winning these games. You put your best 11 on the field every single game. It's three games in short order, but it doesn't matter, all right? It just doesn't matter. These are World Cup qualifiers. These are the most important games, period. There's no club game that can match this. There's There's no friendly that can match this. There's no gold cup game that can match this. It is World Cup qualifiers. The only thing that matches this is World Cup games themselves. To me, you put Anthony Robinson and Serginho Dest out there in the lineup, even though Dest is catching hell everywhere about Barcelona and all that. To hell with it. He's the best right back on the United States roster, period. And they need to put him in there and play him. So let's move on to the two defensive mid spots. Start talking about it. I'm going to throw these guys in. Well, I totally agree with you, Mike. Like I was just saying to kind of say both sides of the coin there, make both arguments about do you play your best and win the first game or do you look at over the three? So I agree with you. Play your best 11, play the best lineup to get those first three points. I I always kind of thought about it as playing a video game, right? If you're playing a first-person shooter, you don't save your grenades for the next guy. If you die, they're useless. Like Use the best guys you have available to you. And that is why for the midfield, for this World Cup qualifying for this first game, throw out the MMA, right? McKenny, Musa, Adams. Make those guys your midfielders. So I would say keep McKenny and Adams as the two defensive midfielders and have Musa as your attacking midfielder. We all know McKenny's going to roam up the field, but he doesn't do it in a way that it's just like he's caught out of position or he's like, hmm, I think I should be pushing up more. So let me push up more whenever I feel like it. No, he identifies when there are gaps in the opposing defense, when he gets the opposing team on their back foot, and he can take the space and do some link play. So he's not – and I think that's part of Jackson Ewell's problem. He's like, I'm a, I'm a defensive midfielder. I'm going to hang back. He just never made this transition to the attacking side of that. Because when you have the ball, everyone's an attacker. When you don't, everyone's a defender. I think that's how you got to start with a lot of your basic concepts here. So – uh, I see you're filling in Adams and McKenney. Don't think you're going to disagree with me on that one, Mike. But what about your other midfielder? What do you think? Yeah, so uh, Adams and McKinney for sure. Now, here's here's where I have the problem. So moving uh, – Tyler Adams, if you're, if you're going to play more of a, like, 4-1, 3-1 three, three, or something like – I don't even know if that's even a number. But 4 – yeah, 4-1, <laughs> Wait, you're the accountant, no. right? You oh, do God, I can't even figure it out right now. But, like, right. I would move Tyler Adams into the middle as, like, that, uh, that true CDM-type spot and then put McKenney and, and Musa in there because Gio Reyna, I, I would move Gio Reyna into the 10. I think he plays extremely well at the 10 spot. Um, but I know health issues and, and whatnot. I don't know if he's – is he even available for this January window? I'm, I'm not sure. I hope he is. I'd love he's to see him close. get in. I know he's close, so I know it's not, like, a guaranteed he's not in, but it's not a guaranteed he's in there either. So – you know, for me, I, I would probably have McKinney uh, playing that back spot with Reyna in there as the ten. But right now, for 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 purposes, let's go with, with let's go with Musa. I agree. I think uh, Eunice Musa is a beast, and uh, he needs to be in that uh, in that spot. Now you've got the wings and the striker. I'm gonna just jump out in front and go with the striker. And this is because I 
freaking love Ricardo Pepe. Ricardo <laughs> Pepe is the striker for the United States men's national team. You can bring in DK if you want to off the bench. Ricardo Pepe's the damn striker. There's no questions. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Talk to me about the wings. Sure. Well, real quick, I just I just did a search for Gio Reyna, and he looks to be out through World Cup qualifying. So he, you, we probably won't see him. He's just going to be resting up. Uh, he had a hamstring injury back in September, and man, those hammies can linger. Uh, so don't expect Gio Reyna. I guess I'm okay with Pepe, but here's where I want to get in a little bit of a discussion with you here, Mike, because I'm assuming one of your last two spots is going to be Christian Pulisic. So then, with your last spot on the pitch, do you put in uh, Tim Weah? Do you put in Matthew Hoppy? Do you put in Paul Ariola, Jordan Morris? Or, I love Brendan Aronson. That guy can run for days. Who do you fit in as your two wingers then? Because that sometimes... I could kind of maybe see Aronson as playing that lone striker up top, just pressing, 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 and then letting Pulisic and Gio on the wings of this formation, and Pepe's not in at all. All right, I, I got to tell you, first off, Nick, you've had too much scotch tonight. For It's bourbon. Okay, bourbon, bourbon whatever. We're it's, American. No. Bourbon. Aronson is not going to be the lone striker up top. Okay, just, just forget about that. That's not happening. All right. Now, I like Brennan Aronson on the wing. Because he can run for days. I like him over those other wing options, right, that you just talked about. So Jordan Morris, now a perfectly healthy, informed Jordan Morris, maybe they're close. But they're not because Jordan Morris is just getting back. So for me, it's Brennan Aronson and it's Christian Pulisic on the wings. There's no doubt about it in my eyes. Uh, If I'm putting out my best 11 that I want to go win a game, that's who I'm putting there. And uh, to me, it, it's it's real important. This window is huge for the United States. It, it's funny we got we have this like this trio at the top right now. Um, we, we got this this United States, Mexico, and Canada. And, and yes, Canada's up here. They're they're number one right now in the standings. It's this trio. It could end up any way. And I think all the USA fans and the Canada fans are like, oh, it's all about. It's all about Canada and the U.S. now. Mexico's done. They're gone. No, they're not gone yet. They're not gone yet. They're close. They're like they're they're just waiting for that knockout blow, right? It's like Rocky, man. They're just they're ready. It's the it's like the twelfth round. They're ready to go. You just got to catch them one more time with one of those killer punches. And I could see it happening in this World Cup qualifying if it finishes number one and number two, Canada and the United States. So um, for me, I see I see on those wings. I've got Pulisic. And I've got Brennan Aronson. I think that kind of that solidifies. Do you agree? Uh, you know what? For for our purposes here, for playing this formation and you know the opponents that we got coming up, yeah, I'm I'm totally fine with Pulisic and Aronson uh, on the wings here, Mike, with Pepe in the middle. And this is what's been great about watching this last World Cup window and all these players that they're bringing in uh, is these discussions that we get to have about who are our wingers, who are, who are we going to bring in. We only have what, 23 men on a roster that we can include, 22 maybe, 23 men? Like it, It's too bad we can't just roll with one goalkeeper and just add another field player on there, right? Um, but that's what's been a lot of fun about it. And, and where I think uh, – I don't know if you watched any of Greg Berhalter's press conference. One of the things he said was we need to – we're in second place. 
one point behind Canada, one point ahead of Mexico and Panama. We just need to keep pace. We need to keep our points per game going. So the U.S. isn't going out to try to win every single game in World Cup qualifying and dominate the CONCACAF opposition. No, they got to beat Honduras. they got to beat El Salvador. they got to come away with at least a point versus Canada. Because Canada also has the same two opponents, El Salvador and Honduras. you got to imagine they're going to beat them. So if the U.S. wants to keep pace with Canada and stay ahead of Mexico, seven points out of this window. Nine, obviously that's ideal, seven points. And the roster that we put together here I think is the way to do it. Obviously if if Adams or Pulisic are starting to cramp up or starting to feel something in their back or twinge in the leg, whatever the case may be, then yeah, you have Tim Weah that you can bring in. Or in the future, you could have Gio Reyna step in uh, or an Areola or a Hoppy, which Areola – I, I love watching him play, and I, I love that he's getting buzz around Liga MX um, to go down there and play. Uh, but but I think what they're doing is great here, Mike. I, I think the roster is built the right way, and I think we're set. I agree. I think with, with expectations, that was my next question. And I think, uh, you know, I think the expectation is seven points, but I love it as a Canadian fan uh, that the U.S. is like, well, you know, we're going to go for a draw. Beautiful thing, man. It's it's been a long time as a Canadian fan when the U.S. would come to Canada and it was a fully expected three points and that was it. And now we're like, oh, maybe not. So I love it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. I I I love the fact the United States is completely imitating Canada. They're like, hey, Canada, we saw you did that, and we're going to do it too because you guys rock. And I absolutely love it by playing that game in Minnesota at Allianz Field. Come on now. They didn't come up with that themselves. They saw Canada bring Costa Rica and Mexico to Edmonton in November, December, and said, oh, that's a great idea. So for me, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, Canada, I'm good with Canada and the U.S. And this is probably only because I am an American citizen and i'm from canada so i'm all about both teams but man i love it seven points each let's take the draw on the 30th let's move on let's kick the shit out of mexico and let's go forward i'm all good with that so with that being said guys that's it it's the end julie's going to bed karen's going to bed love you girly i know and we are going to end this episode it's been a lot of fun guys do not forget to go over and subscribe to next channel wife children house Find him on Twitter. He does a hell of a lot more on Twitter than I do. He was he was running the SOP account. I gotta admit that. I can I barely I suck at Twitter, man. I suck at all the social media. So go follow Nick. Go follow that. Go subscribe to that channel. And Nick, it's been a pleasure, my man. We got to bring you back next week. We'll talk about the Canada roster. We'll create that uh next week as well. So, all right, guys, thanks for watching. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button as well. Everybody have a great night, and we'll see you guys real soon on the next episode of Sun Pitch Soccer Central. Peace.